Welcome to Nine Bob Notes with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I am Paul. And I'm Ken. Hello, Ken. Bonjour, Le Paul. Well, we've had Christmas. We've been stuffed to the gills with food and drink. <laughs> We're feeling rather tubby, but our New Year's resolution should take care of that. Yes. So what are we talking about this week? Our wishes for this year. Three wishes. Mm. What are you picking first? My first one is something that we are no doubt going to have to cover at some point during this year's episodes. But my first wish is that the self-titled gender critical people all die. Self titled <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I get where you're going. Uh, for those of us who are slightly more ignorant than uh, the gays, trademark, <laughs> by gender critical is this the trans denier sort of thing? Yes, yeah. They um, gender critical is a, a name they've come up for them with for themselves, really, um, because they didn't like being called turfs. Um, ah, I was going to come on to this as an episode title, so, sort of, so don't go too far into this because no, you <laughs> absolutely not. But but yeah, they're essentially um, the archetypal gender critic. We've got the the likes of J.K. Rowling who basically argues that if we allow trans women to call themselves women, then that takes away from her rights as a woman. And then you start, they start getting into stupid arguments like, well, real women can have babies, which then obviously excludes women who have had a hysterectomy or for medical reasons can't have children, or maybe who don't want to have children. But then when you ask them about it, they go, oh, no, 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 we don't mean them. You, you're still allowed in. And then you say, well, so you're specifically just excluding trans people. Oh, no, no, we're not, you know, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not transphobic. I've got loads of trans mates. And there's, there's just loads of people. Lots of people have hopped onto the bandwagon. Uh, lots of people saying that giving trans people more rights takes away from the, the rights of, usually women, but the, right, the rights of cisgender people to feel safe. And it's all a load of bollocks. <laughs> uh, and, it's, and it's very, very, the stuff that they're coming up with is really dangerous. Transgender people are being murdered on an unprecedented scale across the world. And it's because the likes of Rowling, the likes of Graham Linehan and various other, <laughs> you know, various other delights uh, like that, just don't want them to be accepted and acknowledged as people. I do solemnly declare this year I'm going to investigate the writings of Graham Linehan mm -hmm. and J.K. Rowling. We are going to bottom these out in <laughs> two episodes, but I want to do the research first because yes. I, I think this is one, this is one, it keeps coming up as a side eye on the podcast. I've not read enough and I want to read their actual words and then, or certainly because I know that, you know, good grief, the, the scribblings, <laughs> uh, they go on and on now. But the main, the main trigger articles and the subsequent articles I'd like to read and, yeah. and find out what the, without having the Twitter hysteria, because this is one <laughs> subject I'd, I'd very much like to discuss, but from a position of knowing the facts. 
Yes. So, uh, yes, uh, that's... But, again, looking at it, uh, it's a big, muddy pool, is the whole transsexual thing, because coming at it from a non-gay perspective... (laughs) It can be a bit of a minefield that you don't always, well, I I certainly don't always fully understand. It's not from a a position of willful ignorance. It's just, I don't fully understand it. And and as I've said before, sometimes if you start asking questions, you get piled on as, well, you should know this already. Why are you asking this question? If you don't know, you are transphobic. And it's so binary that you're, you're either all for or all against and... There's no middle ground. And I think there's more people than are recognised are in the middle ground just from a sort of, we'd like to know more, but we daren't ask. And so I, I am with you on this. The If you are denying that uh, transsexuals are uh, on whichever side of the divide they want to fall, yes, exterminate. Excellent. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely true that people, there are people on both sides who are absolutely adamant that they're right. And obviously in this case, the trans people who just want to be recognised for who they are, are in the right. Mm. But if you go up to someone and say, I don't, you know, I don't really understand what the, you know, what this is all about, can you explain? And then they say, well, you're transphobic for asking that, then that causes a problem. Whereas the people like, like Rowling, while we're using her as an example, are... <laughs> <laughs> they are willfully ignorant mm. because they're in a position where people are going telling them every day that what they're saying is wrong and they're refusing to accept it and they're refusing to back down even though they know and it's not it's not a difference of opinion it's they're denying facts. no i, but, I yes, yes I, I get where you're coming from i mean again it's a rabbit hole i'd rather wander off mm. on another podcast when we've got time to talk about it but um as i've said before i've done the online dating thing over the past <laughs> couple of years and about two years ago i i got talking to somebody who was a transsexual and um she seemed perfectly nice and but every conversation rolled back it was clearly digging to try and find out if i was transphobic and it got rather wearing Mm. to the point where there was no backing out of the everything i said was in some way transphobic so i can sort of see because i've said so many times you know it's an area where you tread carefully you Mm. don't you you tread very lightly so as not to cause offense or the the vast majority of people would (laughs) If you're constantly having it pushed back at you that whatever you say is going to be taken as transphobic, it does make it very difficult. It's just an area that needs more exploration, more conversation, more open discussion without hysteria. I I am fully in favour of discussion on all topics, just without the hysteria. Yes. Yes, so when we cover when we cover that in future weeks, we'll make sure that we have <laughs> done some research. Uh, yeah, research. Yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be able to tell. <laughs> uh, well, my first wish for twenty twenty two is far more whimsical. Ooh. It's going to sing to you, I hope. <laughs> Over the past three years, the executive producer of Doctor Who is uh, a man called Chris Chibnall, and he has bulldozed his way <laughs> through the whole fifty eight years of canon and rewritten it with his own backstory. He's ignored everything that's gone on. He's embraced other things, but done them in a very peculiar way. I don't think it's unfair to say he's pissed off far more people than he's pleased. There are people out there that think that what he's done is wonderful. They are undeniably in the minority. Mm. 
And the, the long-term fans are not, on the whole, pleased with what he's done uh, because it's just rolled roughshod over six decades of storytelling and building up this mythology. He's got two specials left before Jodie Whittaker, the 13th Doctor, regenerates into who knows who. Uh, and the a former executive producer, Russell T. Davis, takes over again with his own production company to salvage the series. Again, it's a discussion in depth for another episode, but I care very passionately about Doctor Who and what he's done to it is just appalling. I've not been so disheartened by the series in ever. There's never been a low point like this in the whole of the series while I've watched it. Yeah, I agree. I've I've always been a big defender, not of Chibnall, but you know, I always look forward to new episodes of Doctor Who. Mm. The most recent series, we were literally just talking about it and we were cautious about it because of what's happened in the previous three years. But, but we willing said, to give it a go and enthusiastic yes, yes. and up to a point. It was good. We we liked it. It was, and a lot of people said, well, this is, this is what Chris Chibnall does. He, he writes epic six-part series and he I mean as far as I'm aware he's only written one and it was Broadchurch I I never saw it it, so I can't comment but it started off well some some really good episodes and then did the usual I think I actually referred to it on Twitter as doing a Chibnall like you say he's got two episodes left again we can hope that he does something good with them. <sighs> Frankly, I don't think either of us, or in fact any of the millions of us, actually care anymore. We just want it to be over and done with. And then, yeah, as you say, Russell can come in and save the day. We'll discuss it in depth uh, when we when we have a little bit more time. Well, it speaks volumes that Twitter, <laughs> the universal echo chamber of hate... <laughs> convulsed with pleasure when Russell T. Davis was announced as that it was coming back. Yeah. And Twitter never does that. So, but yes, we will discuss this in more depth at a future date. What was your second of your three wishes? Well, actually, it uh, it's almost identical to that. It's uh, on a Doctor Who theme. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. Um, my wish slash hope for the year is that uh, when we find out who is going to be the next Doctor, who's obviously going to be someone who's picked by Russell mm. T. Davis, that it's someone good. Well, we've seen the briefest flash in flux of what Jodie Whittaker could be. She was strapped to a mm. chair and she gave a speech and she owned that yes. speech. But it's the only time in three full series that she's done that where it's been, she's the Doctor. Mm. I think Jodie, I've never been particularly kind to Jodie Whittaker. I think she she comes across as the loveliest person in the world in interviews. She's been a good ambassador for the show. She's been enthusiastic about it. Uh, She's been front and centre. I can't knock her for it. She's just been given terrible material and... She's been let down. She's been terribly let down. So I can only hope in future she's historically revised in the same way that Colin Baker was... I know I've always gone against historical revision, but in this case, <laughs> yeah, I do want her to be given a, a chance to shine. Yeah. I suspect that the next Doctor will be gay. That it matters. It doesn't matter. But Russell T. Davis is a big champion of casting gay people. Mm. Uh, his production company is doing it. It would be the least surprise in the world if he's a gay actor. It really doesn't matter. 
All I'm bothered about is that they are the doctor. Yes. It's not a box ticking exercise. We've not done this. We've not got a, you know, a companion in a wheelchair just because, oh, and look, they happen to be deaf and they've got Asperger's and look how great we're being. But they can't actually do anything. They're not good for the story. Don't tick boxes just for the sake of it. Tick boxes and compliment the story. Yeah. And the thing with casting a gay actor is... Nobody wants the character of the Doctor to be romantically involved with anybody. Nope. They, you know, there was loads of mentions uh, because Jodie Whittaker and Yaz, they, they <laughs> From hugged. From nowhere. <laughs> yeah, they, they hugged. And so this guy on Twitter wrote a whole article about how this has given viewers hope that the Doctor is gay. And it's like, no, no, it hasn't. That's the last thing we want. And it would be great to have a gay actor in the role. But uh, as you say... Don't pick him or her because they're gay, which is what Chibnall did. He said, I am going to cast cast a woman. woman. And then, as as we've alluded to before, opened opened his eyes in the first one he saw. I don't think Russell T. Davies will do that uh, because he he has cast two. Did he? I I assume he did. Yeah, it cast Eccleston and and, and Stephen Moffat cast. Yeah, Matt Smith. Because Stephen Moffat, actually, he did not want to cast Matt Smith. He wanted an older doctor. Right. But uh, Matt Smith's audition was so strong that they all, because it wasn't just him Mm. casting, but it was so strong, they just couldn't deny that he was (laughs) the doctor. And for all my own misgivings, he was the doctor. Mm. He was amazing. The youngest ever doctor, (laughs) he was fantastically good. And that's what you want. Yeah. You, you want someone who maybe you, when they're first announced, you think, oh, come on. <laughs> but then, but like, as you say, from, from the first minute, and it was the same with Peter Capaldi, he was <sighs> completely the opposite. A properly grouchy, older man, rude to everybody, but that you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm really going to like him. I, he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's going to be fine, but it's just a, uh, let's, let's, uh, Keep our fingers crossed. See, there are very few actors that can pull off Doctor Who. Uh, Colin Baker once said it's actor-proof, and he's right. Anybody can play Doctor Who, mm. but can they play it well? So you're Matt Smith, you're David Tennant, you're Peter Capaldi's, you're Chris Frecklestons. I never would have, I, he's not somebody I ever would have thought of no. as Doctor Who, and yet he did it. You know, there have been some good, some less good, but nobody's been bad at it. No. So we'll see, but but yeah, great second wish. <laughs> uh, my second wish is that the nightmare that is COVID <laughs> finally comes to an end. They are, they're certainly milking this one. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is that the, the public are now burned out with it. It's not that they're apathetic to it or that they, I mean, there are the deniers that mm. it's a, a, a pandemic and yeah. all the... It exists. Let's not be... <laughs> the problem is you get stimulus burnout, so you can't tell everyone that they're on red alert for two years <laughs> and they're still panicking the same way they were two years ago. People start... They start so, yeah, yeah, what? A, oh, look, a new variant. Right, right okay. Uh, and the figures aren't... It doesn't help that the figures aren't representative mm. of what's actually going on. Um, we are getting figures... They are technically accurate, but they're not accurate in context. So it says, you know, um, 51 people have died this week. Within 28 days of a positive COVID test from any cause. So 
that's not really accurate. It's a, it's a factually accurate statement, but it's not what people actually need to hear. They need to know how many people have died because they contracted COVID and mm. died. It's, it's become sensationalised and people have become numb to it. They're wise to it now. They don't really treat it that seriously because it's had that tabloid approach to the figures. And that, I think, is why people are just like, yeah, enough now. We're not afraid of this thing like we were. The people that are vulnerable to it, they're, they're being sensible. They're, they are being more cautious about it. My own parents, you know, yeah. they're both in very good order. They're in their early 70s. They're both fit and healthy. There's no real worries about it. But even they've been a little bit cautious over the past sort of, uh, certainly last Christmas, it was certainly, we didn't really see each other for a, a good six months. They were being, yeah. fair enough. I am less worried about it. I'm in reasonably good health. I don't have any underlying health issues that I'm aware of. (laughs) Um, You know, I've been wearing the mask and this, that and the other. But people, you can't tell them to be afraid all the time and expect them and nothing happens uh, to them and expect them to keep being afraid. So... Yeah, and and I think that's shown with the uh, with the new variant. That's. Uh, now, I mean, why have we skipped Ypsilon? What was wrong with Ypsilon? Why have you skipped why? to the fifteenth letter of the Greek alphabet? Which, strangely enough, I was writing a quiz. <laughs> I thought the the quiz that week was you know how we do an anagram trend mm. in the quiz. It was diseases. <laughs> It just happened to coincide with Omicron coming out. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I'll just put Omicron. And it came out as moronic. And then, <laughs> yeah. oh, God. And then uh, straight up, not long afterwards, it was all over Twitter that other people had worked out the same thing. I must have, I used an anagram generator to find out. It was not some <laughs> witty realisation that I had. But even the naming doesn't have a logic to it. <laughs> you know, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, yep, fine. <laughs> yeah, but what happened to all the others? Yeah, it's weird. But the way that's come out, and rather than get everyone going into panic mode, what people are now doing is saying, well, is it any different? Or how? why is it different? What is it more infectious? Is it more deadly? Is it resistant to the vaccine? And we're not going to We're not getting an answer. Yeah, we're not getting answers. And so people aren't reacting to it because they're like, well, it's been around for nearly two years. I haven't died. There's no evidence that this new variant is going to kill me. And like you say, that's because because you can't you can't stay on red alert forever. But it's not only that. If we're now being told that um, you've had your first, second, third jab, you need a fourth jab, mm. and you're still not immune, you can still catch it, you can still get infected, you can still spread it. Well, what's the point of the jab? And, and that's that's the the general reaction sort of reaction yeah, yeah, yeah. to it and it's it's not an unreasonable reaction i know there are you know there are underlying scientific reasons for why that <laughs> it's not just tossed off that yes you, you, need, you need jab after jab after jab otherwise you are going to die but the general public are fucking idiots and that you have to communicate with the lowest common denominator you cannot just put out there be afraid be very afraid mm. That's not going to work. Talk to people like human beings, like they need spoon feeding as a five-year-old. <laughs> Explain things mm. in basic English. People will come on board with it. Explain things as in, this is what you should do, and if you don't, we're going to arrest you if you don't wear it. Because I've seen videos online. of, I've seen three videos now of people being arrested for not wearing a mask. What's going on? <laughs> You know, police officers coming up in pairs and arresting people for not wearing a mask. And it's, 
people push back against that. You start uh, there's there's talk now of a of mandatory vaccines. Mm. Now you're crossing a line there. You are it is mandatory to put something in your body. We've never had that before. So you can understand why there's there's a a push back against that. You, you're stopping the sort of come on, come on, boys and girls, let's all pull together. Let's let's try and get life back to normal. When you start crossing that line, it starts being like, well, hang on a minute, no, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not on principle now. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's when you you're then giving fuel to the idiots who won't have the vaccine because Bill Gates because is Bill Gates is using it to control them. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and, and because they say, well, Thingy hasn't had it. And he's like, well, well, actually, no, I haven't had it because this is not me. I have had it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, you, people say, well, I, you know, I haven't had it because, like you've said, I don't see the point of just keep going for these things when mm. it's not offering me any protection. I think it's going to be around for a very long time. I'm, I, yes. I'm hoping that it'll be, it, within a couple of years, it'll be just be like the flu. So you go... In the autumn, if if you want mm. to get a jab, go and get your flu jab, get your COVID jab, off your pop for the winter. Well, I've had it explained to me by, you know, Simon Exton, fellow podcaster. Uh, he's very, very big on immunology. He knows mm. this stuff inside out. He's explained it to me that, I hope I'm getting this right, Simon, mm. eventually it will just fall into the cycle of other coronaviruses. Yeah. That they're just about. It's a new variant of coronavirus, which society is now developing an Im- a group, a herd immunity to. It will just fall into mm. like SARS and MERS and, and the others that we never talk about anymore. Yeah. I just want this whole hysteria to go away because it's crippling the world. People talk about the... Go- we should have made this a, a, a coronavirus episode, really. <laughs> uh, people are, are blaming the government. The government should have done more. But you're herding... In England alone, you're herding 55 million cats <laughs> that don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. But it's the government's fault. It falls back to what I've said in other podcasts, that it's absolving yourself of sin and blaming somebody else for, something, for doing something that you know is not the right thing to do, <laughs> but it's the government's fault. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to conform. It's the government's fault for not containing the virus. It's, it, that's, it's, anyway. Yes. A very good wish, though. What's your third wish? My third and final wish uh, is it not quite as deep as, uh, as that. It's it's something purely selfish, something that we were talking about just the other day. I would like to go back to our old school. Oh, <laughs> yes. I, I went my... Because daughter- we've discovered a TARDIS, yes, haven't we? yeah. My daughter was playing football the other day and she was playing <laughs> on the grounds of our old school. And I was uh, sort of standing there looking at the school buildings and trying to place the teachers through the windows of all the various classrooms. And then, yeah, I I sent you a photo of this mysterious... It wasn't mysterious. It was a stairwell, which uh, which has always... well We we don't know. But there was a secret room at the top, which uh, neither of us knew what it was. I mean, it's probably... in in 99% certain that it was a... A store cupboard. <laughs> but, I, I'm guessing the top of a stairwell with a store cupboard at the top of it. But mm. why do we not know what it is? No. We were both there for five years. Why did we never look at it and think, what is it? Yeah, it's very strange. Talk about hiding in plain sight. So <laughs> yeah. that, I think, yes. 
Yeah, and so it would just be nice because it doesn't look any different from. I mean, there's a few a few additions, but I've been into the sports hall last year. I mean, we were there when they laid the floor of the sports hall. Yeah, it was a multi-purpose sports hall floor. We weren't allowed to wear. Thirty years <laughs> 30, ago. Thirty, 30 years, years, ago. years ago. I bet it's the same. Same. Still the same. Floor, I bet. Does yeah. it smell the same? It does. <laughs> you see. <laughs> I mean, oh God, I can still, I can still smell it now. Yeah. So it would just be nice. I, I would just really like to go, not during the day when there's an um, yeah, there, but just you know, just to go and have a have a look around and go. Oh, do you remember this? Do you remember this? It would just be really cool. A bit of a daft wish, but oh, okay. we if we can, I'm, I'm going to see if we can arrange that, and we'll do a nine bob note tour of <laughs> Brownage School, and just for for all the people that know. Uh, well, my final wish for 2022, I've been effectively single for three to four years now. I am tired of this now. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's, just, it's been jolly good fun and I've had a lot of fun along the way, but it's not the life I wanted in my, oh God, I'm approaching my mid forties. <laughs> oh God. My early forties. Yeah. 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 And I look around at my peers, particularly you, with your beautiful family. Oh, my goodness. No, they are. They are. I hate to pick favourites, but your daughter in particular. I'll walk into your house and she'll cannon into me and just cling on. She's the most beautiful, wonderful girl. And I don't know, little girls, they just, they're adorable things, little girls. They, they just they just want to, little boys want to be loud, get muddy, kick balls. And from the minute their eyes snap open in the morning, they are loud and messy that's what little boys are little girls are they they just crave your attention and an interaction and i can sort of deal with that <laughs> i can deal with that better than the the noise and balls and mud so uh, yeah I, I i hope this year is the year that i finally manage to settle down it, that that is my it's a it's a very selfish wish but that's what i want very good yes, yes. Well, that's, it's not an unreasonable wish. I, I hope so. Yes. I've been happy before. I would like to be happy again for the last time. That would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, what a, what a lovely story. <laughs> you know, a lovely phrase to end the, the podcast on. Well, there we go. We've done our resolutions last week. We've laid out our hopes and wishes for this year. So we're all set. We what can... could possibly go wrong? Exactly, exactly. So we will leave you to uh, to think about what you want for this year, dear listeners. And, yeah, uh, so may your God go with you. <laughs> and we'll be back next week. So until then, farewell. Goodbye, kids. Nine Bob Node featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman, and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.